inspiration, enlightenment, and insight on how to get what you want and how to keep it. We could have been anything that we wanted to be. And it's not too late to change it. We'd be delighted to give it some thought. Maybe you'll agree that we really ought to. And now, here are your hosts. Paul Williams and Tracy Jackson. Good morning, Tracy Jackson. Good morning, Paul Williams. Good to be here in the swell city of New York with you, the city you love, your home. I do love, you know, I'm loving New York less and less. Why? Because I'm so tired of the construction and the traffic. I know it makes me sound so grumpy. Every building is being torn down and they're putting up these ginormous skyscrapers. The whole city's under construction. Everywhere you go, you can't move. And outside my office, where I have this beautiful view of a church steeple, and I see sunlight. Yes. I found out this week. And rainbows. And rainbows. Yeah, and all those things you write about. I found out this week they're putting up a huge building to block my view, and I'm going to have three years of construction outside my window. All those poor construction workers. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm, as I yell at them those out the poor window. Bastards. No, it's just the city. It's become a city where they tore down. You know what? There's been there are so many beautiful old buildings in the city, and there's such there's always been a kind of sense of yes, it's a big city, but there are also these neighborhoods and communities. The little and cafes and little. Oh, and excuse little, me. Are you not upset about the loss of your cafe? Oh you want to God. talk about that? There's a little place called the Green Cafe that I love. There loved. was. They'd fix me breakfast in the morning. I'd walk in. They knew what I wanted before I even hit, as I came through the door. They started fixing my, my morning wrap, my eggs and cheese and onions. and Yeah, but in, anyway, we're in New York, and the, I think most people probably don't realize that. Time has been worse, friends all gone. Don't you get crazy? Progress makes buildings move on and on. <laughs> You're writing songs based on my songs. I know. You know, the, the, we a lot of times we'll record a podcast with somebody, and then we'll wind up doing the intro to that podcast a couple weeks later. And that's that's kind of, you know, I don't know why I feel compelled why to tell people say- that, you know, I want to, it's like, as opposed to pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, I want to pull the curtain out and say, this is how we do it. You know, we go in and we sit and, like, like we just actually just finished a, a recording a podcast with Opie. You know, with Greg Hughes, who is Opie of Opie and and, and I never Jim knew that Norton was his show. name. I thought his name was Opie. Opie, and and it's such a good guy. And you know? we had a great conversation, and all. But uh, and so at some point, we'll sit down, probably a couple of weeks from now, and, in L.A. and in L.A. and talk about the conversation we're about to have with with the Opie, and we already had that and all. But coming up, we've got somebody on on the show that I've known since I was probably like twenty nine or thirty. You know, like but I 19- want to talk about something else first. Oh, what do you want to talk about? Well, it's your birthday tomorrow. Oh, it's well. By the time this airs, it will. I will be. I know, but right older, now, but... in this moment, happy birthday to you. Oh, happy to birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Paulie. The Polydama is going to be seventy-five. Happy birthday to you. I can't believe. You know, it's so bizarre that you know when I was a kid, seventy-five was old. Seventy-five was dead when I was a kid. You know, and and I just. You know, I, my dad died when he was 59, and he looked 80. I mean, it was he was just, and you know, I've I've lived at this point now 16 years longer than he did. How's that make fe- you feel? And I, and I feel like a kid. And it's the sneakers. It's well, it's the sneakers, and it's you know, the backpack. It, it's 25 years with no booze or drugs. It's it's you know, it's it's moving. It's getting up, you know, and the, and since we started working on the book. 
I started exercising. I know. And, then, and using the affirmations in, 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 as it applied to my lifestyle. And I was already sober and I already had a spiritual life and the like, but I started moving. And I think that's, and the fact that I've gotten so busy, I mean, between the podcast and the gig at ASCAP, you know, and... and, and uh, as long as you keep moving forward. You can't I hit just, a moving target. I tell, you know, I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful, Tracy. I'm so oh, grateful for the life you're 75. I have Well, and 75 is... It doesn't feel... It's so weird when you say that because when I was born, my grandfa- my grandmother was much younger than I am now. And she looked... So much older. I mean, I've, ri- I, I've written about this. I wrote about this in my first book. But uh, my husband, as you know, because we had a joint birthday last night, turned sixty yesterday. And then when I tell people, even the kids go, "He's 60. And I think someone I said to him, "So how old's Glenn?" I said, "Well, he's sixty. I'm, oh, 60. I went, yeah, "I'm going to be sixty in three years." Yeah. And I said, "It, yeah, it doesn't feel very old anymore. Sixty sounds young, and I'm sure." You know, 75, when I well, look I'm at sure you at 75, that doesn't sound that old to me. When people say someone's old and they go, oh, they're, you know, they're 72, I go, well, that's not old. That's so it's your, the closer you get, your whole perspective changes. You know, I just. So now maybe 90 seems old to you. Does yeah. 90 seem old to you? You know, it's I don't know I don't know when it's going to click in. in a, you know, I, I joke that I want to. I think have, when your I health want, goes is when it kicks in. I want three digits on my driver's license, and I still want to be driving too fast. I mean, I just I you know that's I, the that's the place you know, where we're going to stop you. <laughs> if the, I have any say in this, this is not going to happen. <laughs> but I mean, we you know, like I'm 75. I drive I drive a, a tuned, lowered you know APR exhaust and you know chipped. Audi TT that's, the, you know, this uh, a 2003 because it's got the tiny little body and I love, it's like driving a go-kart. I love, and, and you know, it's five-speed, I shift, there's no automatic, none of that crap. It's like, I love my little, my little sports car, you know? So if any of you see a crazy little green car is weaving in and out of the 405 with a guy that doesn't like it. That'll be Pauly, and he's lost it. (sighs) Get him over to the side of the road. (laughs) It'll be sounding really loud, going really fast. I I actually feel safer in a car with you than anybody else. You're actually the best. You are the best driver I have ever been in a car with. That's no question. That's the night, maybe the nicest. And I drove once with Mario Andretti. No, I didn't actually. I yeah. didn't. I didn't. No, I've but, actually raced him. Though. I, I know, raced no, Mario. No, no, I did no, all the, the Toyota. No, but, know, but I, even freeze. when you drive super fast and and this car makes that really really loud noise that sounds like we're in a spaceship, I still feel safe. <laughs> That's sweet. You know, you know what you're doing. You but know what you're I, doing yeah, behind I, the wheel. I love it. You I, do. I love it. But I think that there's something about the amount of of travel I do, the amount of work that I'm doing, and the passion, and you know, and the gratitude, because because frankly. I am so grateful the life for the life I have right now. It's just you know I have a great marriage. You know Mariana Escalante Williams and I. We don't argue. I mean it's just it's there's a, a it's easy. My life has never been as easy as it is right now. I have a great relationship with my kids. You know my son is getting married next Saturday. And then all the kids are married tomorrow. off. My daughter married her partner in May. You know my stepdaughter got married in June. I have a stepson that's that's still single, but it's just everything is just. And it's the, rolling and, along. Yeah, it's it's and it's easier than it's ever been. And I just you know, the uh, the the way that that my third act has opened up. You know, the, 
when I got so I was 49 when I got sober and the fact is if I had anybody had said to me that I was going to be doing what I'm doing right now you know writing Pan's Labyrinth with with Guillermo del Toro and good stuff we're going to have Guillermo del Toro on the show incidentally you know I know which is very very we're cool very and, and we're, I'm writing Pan's Labyrinth with Gustavo Santaolalla for him as a stage musical I can't believe my life and and the thing that you gave me young lady it is just an amazing gift. And you said, the, the, the cab coming over this morning to the studio, Tracy turned to me and she said, you know, what I, what I did give you is you're now a best-selling author. And what a, you know, wow. You know, I have a high school education. The only education I have is as a you know, certified, you know, I went to UCLA's drug and alcohol counseling certification program so I could work with, with other, other alcoholics and addicts. But... That's pretty exciting, Tracy. Thank you. Well, you're very welcome. And because it's your birthday, I let you have that whole monologue, and I didn't interrupt once. you It's amazing. Uh, I don't think I've ever spoken that That was long. a birthday <laughs> gift to you. <laughs> I did not interrupt you on your well, birthday. Let's talk about, let's talk but about let's who's talk coming about on our show, show yeah, today. Exactly. This Someone who is... It's so interesting, and I can only say now because I've, I've heard the show. It's totally different than I would have expected this person to be. What did you expect? I expected wild, crazy, out there. And I I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away, but it was a really wonderful, it's a enlightening, it's a funny, it's it's the, who this person is. Someone we all know, some from our youth, some from just watching these iconic shows, Cheech and Chong. Yeah. I mean, Cheech and Chong are part of the American language. Up in Smoke was their their first album, I think, and all. I became friends uh, with, with Cheech. 1978, Up in Smoke, um, Cars. The, the thing about Cheech is... Born in East L.A., I remember that. The thing about Cheech is Cheech has gone on and talk about a third act. I mean, he was been in Lost. He keeps working. He's probably in more things. Spy Kids, The Book of Life. He sang the song. He's Tin Cup. He was amazing and yeah, really wonderful in Tin great. Cup. The Perfect Game. And the he series, was in. you know, the, the series Desperado. with uh... He was in a movie called. Polly, I don't know this movie called Polly. Did you have a movie about you? No, it's not about me. He but was he, in After I, Hours. Oh, he we, was hysterical in After Hours. I remember him in After Hours. on Book of Life because I wrote the songs of the, with Gustavo for the Book of Life. and, and Beverly Hills Chihuahua. He, the, the guy's IMDb, I was really, really surprised. It goes on and on and on and on. It's like, it looks like, like Tom Hanks mm. IMDb or something. Anyway, he's done tons and tons and tons of movies he's written a book he's stays doing his comedy big art collector major big art, art collector, collector. Of, of really Chicano real renaissance street, man you know, Re- art. really smart really articulate real renaissance man i don't know why i expected a stoner to come on not at all uh it ex- a lovely man a smart man an articulate man and today we have the chance to have this great conversation with him and and it's so it's, much it's fun to do. I've been friends with Cheech since 1970, I think. And uh, back when when I was using a lot of the stuff that they were joking about in their in their early years, Cheech and John. Well, I think what we should do is just roll into our interview with Cheech Marin and and hear about those early days and those, some later uh, days and what he's doing now. Terrific. Here's so Cheech Marin, my buddy Cheech. We're okay. rolling. Hey, rolling on the river. <laughs> Give us a little song there, Chief. Rolling on the I've been working on so your mama uh, <laughs> all the live long day. Dave's not here. Dave's not here. Dave's not, days of Dave's not here. 
Dave's not here. Got more mileage out, out in my band than really? if you know. Well, let's wait. We're, no, we're Paulie. We're rolling, baby. Are we rolling. Okay, excellent, excellent. Because I don't. I want the world <laughs> to know. What would you do if I was not here to keep you in the moment? Yeah. I'd I'd be in the past with Cheech, or in, in the, or in the future with my golf game. You know. But yeah, but in this perfect now. Yeah, Dave's not. You know, Dave's not here. Dave's not here. Was in with. Do you know that that bit? It's an amazing bit on the on. The, I think the first album. It captured the zeitgeist of the era. <laughs> and how would you explain that zeitgeist, Chief? The zeitgeist was a little bit of paranoia and a little bit of out front and we don't care. Yeah. But it was it was both uh, at the same time. It was actually that bit was a mistake. Really? Yeah. We were on the A&M lot and we had just signed our first album uh, contract and we were working on how to convert what we were doing on stage to record. So they, uh, we, we had this little room and it was a projection room on the Charlie Chaplin studio, which is where A&M was. And it was like in the middle of summer and it was hot. It was August. Or blah, blah, blah. It was, and so Tommy and I were working on this thing and we were trying to record it and he goes... Uh, I was supposed to go outside. He says, well, well, let's act it out. You go outside and knock on the door, and I let you in, and we proceed <laughs> with this other bit, right? You know, it was about a guy uh, applying for a job. Yeah, okay, well, so why don't you get in character and put on the coat and the hat? And he goes, yeah, okay, well, it's hot out there. And everybody's wandering around the lot looking, who are these guys? They've been showing up every day, and we don't know what the hell they're doing. And and he's out in the thing. So I go, okay, knock on the door. Nobody. I knock, knock, knock. Who is it? Who is it? He's not supposed to say who is it. He's supposed to say come in. And uh, so I, in the moment, you know, improvisational actor, Dave. And he starts, uh, Dave? Yeah, Dave. Dave's not here. And and, and he goes on, and at the end of it, he goes, "Uh, Dave's not here. What? And and we just started improving this whole bit. It's hilarious. And can you say... You just say shit you on him. You can say anything okay. you want. He was just Tommy's trying to fuck with me, with, as his usual Tommy Chung. And what happens, he, he was recording it on his little, you know, cassette recorder, and he and he didn't know if it was working or not, so he kept looking at the monitor, you know, the needle, and he goes, uh, so, and so, Dave, yeah, no, no, Dave, Dave, no, no, no Dave, yeah, so, oh, it's working. And so he start, and, he, and now he's he's got me, now he's, and I'm out there, you know, and he's just fucking with me. And and finally he lets me in, and he's cracking up, he says, you gotta hear this, this is a, we played it back, we both fell on the floor because it was just this. It was who's on first, you know, kind of like the. Now, did that was that the recording that wound up on the album? Or no, you, you re, had to recreate. We had it to then. recreate yeah, it that yeah, night yeah, in the studio, yeah. and it was nowhere near what it was on the thing. And we just we went upstairs and played it for Lou Adler, who was our producer, and he fell on the floor. It was just the simplest riff. It was just the, Dave's not here. That's it. I'm Dave. No, Dave's not here. You know, and where's but you guys loved. Early comedians like Laurel and Hardy, and sure. that didn't you? I mean, you you, you come oh, even yeah. though you had your you invented your own style, yeah, and it yeah. was completely revolutionary at that time. You kind of harken back to the old guys, yeah, too, yeah. right? No, we were the we passed the they passed the baton the the duo the comedy duo uh, comedy team on to us, and we were just the latest incarnation of it. And thank God there was marijuana to, to and thank uh, God, yeah, to uh, kind of uh, define the. It was more like fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> well, it created a spiritual condition that was that was kind of boundless, and you just sort of said and ran with whatever was going yeah, on, we, and the world responded. It was it was amazing because that bit, you know, because our our thing was very fairly local, you know, lowriders, L.A. car cultures, blah blah blah, and but that bit 
opened up the whole country, the whole world, actually, to us. You know, we went in New York and did that bit, and they understood paranoia. <laughs> and so it was... Do they know, ever? Boy. <laughs> and there were so many of those early bits were that were taking place in the car, in the taxi. Yeah, yeah. Everything, everything was, was... They were highly influential, I've, I've come to find out. Quentin Tarantino stole so much out of our of our movies and he told me and I said, Oh man, I took that shot, you know, right from up in smoke and this and this and and Inglorious Bastards, that was a tortured old man from your first album, you know, blah blah blah. I said, Oh good, so how about a job? Wait <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, you know, as far as the jobs are concerned, you know, your IMDB is shameless. It's just I mean you never stop working. How much you got I have to have three jobs. Yeah. That's, that's so funny. Time. Really? Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. Lost totally change your public persona for this generation? No, I don't think so. No, it didn't? No, uh, kid stuff. Lion King. Lion King. King, Cars. Cars, Holly. Yeah. All those, all those, yeah. But that's your voice. Yeah. Yeah, in Uh, terms of your face. In terms of like, in terms of walking down the street, didn't... It's it, it's such it's such a tsunami. <laughs> it's just like starts well, way way I would way think, back. I would think I would jump in and say probably Tin Cup. Yeah, and I, oh, and, I would, cup, and I would and I would I would imagine that that the the Nash Bridges Nash Bridges. You've never totally. stopped working. That's what people. It's really amazing. No. Have you? I, I was walking down the street just the other day, and some old guy. Don't stop working. <laughs> no, no. What do you, Cheech? What do you? Prescribe, prescribe, prescribe that too. You're, 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 you say you're, it's funny. I mean, the joke. I'm a Chicano. I never stop working, <sighs> but I need three jobs. But a lot of people don't get to keep working past a certain age. How have you kept going? Because that's such an inspiration to people out there who say, "Oh, you know, I'm old. I'm too can't do this. Yeah. I'm getting older. I'm not hip like I was." But you've yeah. stayed hip and relevant. I, uh, I keep getting married. You know, <laughs> there, there are eight. We figured out there are eight marriages between the three of us. <laughs> God, you know? so it's is, all that alimony. You're like Polly. It's like yeah. I say to Polly, you know, it's that alimony, right? You can't. Yeah. You're never ever getting married again. No, I'm, no, I'm no, not either. This one's to the box. This yeah, is, if we hate each other, Mariana and I said we're staying together. <laughs> if this doesn't work, it's jacking off and golf for the rest yeah, of my but, life. But yeah. Natasha, but you guys can live together in a trailer because that's exactly no, what no, he'd no, want to you know, do. I, I, <laughs> when you've met his wife Natasha, you will realize this man will be in line, taking care of business, behaving yeah. himself for the rest of his life yeah, it's she's, disgusting she's, she's gonna outlive me because she's that much younger yeah, uh, no matter what now I, I have do. to go online and see what she looks like oh yeah, she's gorgeous but uh, you know how long you, have you been married to her uh, I'm not allowed to say okay. I don't know she has this thing but don't tell anybody how long we've been married because yeah. it will be like we're just on our honeymoon yeah exactly I won't say 2009 then yeah. so uh, <laughs> don't, you know, don't do that why is that I remember yours and I don't remember mine when yeah. were you you don't remember yours I oh, never I, remember I, mine I know I know I'm 10 years that I was married February 14th 2005 to Mariana but it, you know one of the things that's interesting though but you talk about working forever your dad was a cop yeah yeah so did he retire did he take no. his retirement or he stayed in the in, in on the job he went back to school jesus christ chief yeah baby Honey. Yeah. Whoa. Well, You're looking at Natasha? I'm looking at Natasha. Yeah. yeah, she's amazing. She's 15, but has the body of a 12-year-old. <laughs> <She's>... <laughs> oh, a pedophile's dream, though, my God. I wish we were. This I, is gratitude and trust. Come on, guys. He's definitely now. grateful and trusting. Let or me, she's let, trusting and he's grateful. Look at cops. Oh, yeah. I'll make it. I'll Yeah, you can't. Yeah, that, that, that's for. Just, she's a remarkable woman. I mean, Where'd you meet her? Uh, here in L.A. Just like walking down the street, like no. in that body and that. It was it was uh, uh, two friends of ours, uh, a, a, f- a friend of hers that was another. She's a Russian, and she's Russian, and she's a concert pianist. And so she, it was another Russian concert pianist. They went to a conservatory together, and they 
having a wine tasting over at their house because the husband, who is now my business manager, I don't know if that works or not. Wait, her uh, husband was her your, husband bis- was your, your business, business manager? No, her partner's husband. Okay, because oh, that could get, husband. he yeah. could really fuck with your business. That could get yeah, a little confusing. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I always watch them real carefully, you know. But uh, they introduced us, and, and uh, oh, she, I, I was separated. I was on, on the way to the divorce, and we were living in other places and uh, she was the same deal and but ours we, we still weren't official that's so why i says you know i got a lot on my plate and so do you so uh, when we're both free we'll get it so a year later i called her up she was uh, all free and clear and boom, boom that was it wow yeah and and now your marriage to Tommy Chong. Aye. Aye. Uh, How long you married has to Tommy been, Chong? Has been an off and on marriage, or has it been consistent through? You know, there was. Well, we were we were divorced, <laughs> but still, you know, kind yeah, of lived exactly. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah, it's been. Uh, we were broken up actually longer than we were together. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but uh, now we're back together. Yeah. We're doing. Uh, a I went actually. I went on long line the other day to see which comedy teams had performed together the longest. Uh huh. And. The Smothers Brothers are the longest. Yeah. And they actually had a leg up, obviously, you know, yeah, yeah. big brothers. But the second one is Penn, uh, is Penn and Teller. Yeah, yeah. And that's the only... Penn other... and Teller have been together for 40 years that's without one, a one, break. That's two guys, one break. voice. Yeah. Two guys, one voice. But it's, yeah, but yeah. it's one, but it's w- without, without a break. And then I went on and found you guys, and wow. you guys have had your, your, clearly like your marriages, you know, yeah, yeah. You, you, you leave and come back and leave and come yeah. back. Yeah, I would find them. So you guys were together a long time with split ups, yeah. and then uh, Rossi and Allen. Yeah. And and they split up and got back together a lot. Penn and Teller are the only other team with a first name and a last name Ooh. in their title. Ooh, that's interesting. Chi-Chi Chong and Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller. Oh, that's interesting. Exactly. Penn told me that. I never figured it out before. I ran into Tommy a couple few months ago at uh, at a golf tournament, and uh, uh-huh. it was interesting. He's very good friends with my ex-wife. I heard this is just a, this is a podcast about exes. Oh my god! My ex that just shocked me. My that terrified ex. Me. I'm watching Mad Men because I didn't watch it the first time around, yeah. and uh, on, so I'm now watching it on Apple TV. And my first husband, yeah. who I never he doesn't like me to talk about him. He's a yeah. lawyer here in town. He looks exactly like John Hamm. Wow! Really? And he acts like John Hamm. And I watch that show, and I think. I'm watching my first marriage. Wow. It's like so spooky. Yeah, yeah. isn't that spooky? <laughs> I mean, but I mean, he looks exactly like John Hayes. But a divorce is, in fact, I think a bumper sticker sometimes for no is a gift. It didn't work out. <laughs> and you kind of walk away, you go, damn, and everything like that. I and loved my divorce. It, it, it was, you know, a really smart thing for me to do. Oddly enough, I'm really good friends with my first wife, yeah. who's a great lady. Yeah. I was also the cheapest divorce in history. Really? I was like, if you guys wanted to get I knew no, I should have married you. If you wanted to be divorced from someone, I'm a pain in the ass to be married to, but I am so great to be oh. divorced because I walked away. I didn't take a dime. Wow. I took care. I took the kid. I never asked for anything. I took a few things for the house. The entire divorce cost like 10 grand. Wow. I mean, I was, I'm like the princess. But they were back, they were backing up a money truck to, you know, put money on your, on your front doorstep to come write scripts for you. Know, well, no, I could afford it, but it was, I just, I was, I've always been a woman who felt like, and I really do believe this. And I'm very happily married. I don't think women should take men to the cleaners just because they've been married to them. I, I really don't. I don't. I don't, I don't understand. Think can I pick either, a partner? I, I had a feeling. I had a feeling you guys would agree. Can I pick a partner or can I pick a partner? Whoa. No, but I just. I really think it's so. 
sucks. I think, you know, you're married 45 minutes, then you go, oh, I get half of everything you've made, yeah. you know, because yeah. I like made you a TV dinner. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, feminists are going to really come after me on this one, but I do, I don't think you guys should pay forever. Uh, forever will, is a long fucking time to pay alimony. Yes, it, well, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> okay, I have to ask a different question. I want to yeah. ask you, because this is something I, I want to tell you, know, the, to me, the most, the, the most romantic place as far as a work environment, uh-huh. you know, as far as reconnecting with your kid, your dreams as a kid, uh-huh. for me is to walk on a movie set. You walk on a movie set with the lights, the camera, and the, all the cables and all that shit going on, and it's just to me, it's like all of a sudden I'm nine years old again. You've uh-huh. just joined the circus. You just joined the circus. Yeah. What was your first film experience? Um, Up in Smoke. Up in Smoke was the first. That was time. the very really? first time we ever like. And I said, it's like we're making a movie. You know, it's like you, you never get over it. It's like your first yeah. love. And you're still like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, you, I mean, well, you know how much time you're going to spend sitting in the dressing yeah, room exactly, alone yeah. and going, Jesus, you know. Or else it's like, you mean, you're, I have to park that far away? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we, no, when did you move the parking spaces? I always had good parking spaces. Yeah, we always did. Yeah, yeah. I had really good parking spaces until I didn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Well, Sometimes that's a sign. I know. Sign, that's yeah. the thing. You know, when you lose a job on a lot, they painted. Yeah. That's how you find out. I remember you they paint over your parking spot before you've left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You go down there, and there's the little guy with the paint. paint. Hollywood is very. It's cruel. very mean, oh, man, isn't it? And like... I, when I was on the Sony lot, you'd see some them down there. And go, oh, he's gone. And there they'd yeah. be painting over the parking spot. He hadn't yeah. even come down to get his car that yeah. day. There was an actor that I worked with on Battle for the Planet of the Apes, and I'm trying to remember his name, but he was a great character actor. And he told about one of the great stories of his life was that he broke his leg on a on a, a baseball movie. He slid into second base, and he heard it snap, and they all came running out and they said oh my god are you okay are you okay but he realized what they were doing is they were looking at the size of his uniform <laughs> they, 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 because as they're holding his head they're actually pulling the collar back and, and looking at, at the size and it's like yeah it's just okay and they, so they go out and get an actor that size to replace him that's cool Hollywood, that's welcome to Hollywood Hollywood is a case of how are you blowing me right now yeah. my, my girls tell me I'm feeling something am I feeling something girls yes you're feeling something JK you're blowing me okay yeah. but right now how are you blowing me right now yeah, yeah. I need to know I need to know Jesus. I feel nothing I it's, feel nothing it's enough. just I mean you know it's it's sad because you've built up all this experience and all this knowledge and all this how, how to do it and then eh it's great we're gonna hire Justin Bieber instead. You know, <laughs> it's really true. Once you hit, think you hit your stride. Yeah. They now think you, you hit your downstride. Every now and then, you you do something that you that you take more than just the job away from the picture. You you played you know, you you did uh, Tin Cup and yeah. walked down to the set the first day having no f- affinity at all for golf, and you left yeah. an addict, as I understand. Oh, I'm so st- I'm, I'm, Oh my god! I'm not even a recovering addict. I'm just an addict. You know, fuck it. That's what I am. Yeah. Uh, a golf addict. You're just yeah. a total golf addict. I love golf, and it's just and I have a wife who understands that now. Uh, Does she play? She did. She started to take lessons, but she's been doing so many concerts that it messes with her hands, yeah. so she can't do it. So she's, but, but uh, one day I will. But what else? Have uh, there been other experiences where you walk on a set and you know, all of a sudden you walk out of there and you go, I now have a fascination or a caring for something you didn't before? For example, you sing. I mean, no. you sing a lot. No. I was a singer all my life. That was the first thing I did in show business. I, I was, didn't know that. I sang as a little kid Mexican songs. I was this little squeaky voice kid that could sing in tune. 
Well, and you, you actually sang one of my songs. Did you know that? Which one? <laughs> oh, you see. We've only just no, 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 a lonely no, 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 rustic no. Much gun. more recent than that, you know. Uh, joy to the uh, world. Yeah. No, 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 no. no. Give, give, me a, give me a moment here. Let me see. Let me see if I can <laughs> no, you can't remember, remember your own song. No, no, no. The first line is, <laughs> Do you want uh, us to get your... I love you too much to live without you loving me back. From, from Book of Life. You are actually... I wrote oh, the songs really? with Gustavo for the Book oh, of Life. Oh, you did that! I knew so there that's was somebody our, good. I second our second wow. film we ever made together was twenty years after the first. Oh. In two, in in nineteen ninety four, we did a million to one. We did, you know, and and then in in two thousand fourteen, a Book of Life. Book Only of I wasn't book on of, camera. Oh. I was off in a closet writing. Oh. <laughs> a little, so you're a sad, little, little, a little, sad little guy. A trunk. He was sitting in a trunk. <laughs> Call us when you got it done, damn it, and then we'll ask you to change it. Yeah. Oh God. Let me ask you, as long as we're on the subject, um, why does it take so long to write a Broadway musical? Oh Jesus. Well, it, it depends. Uh, first of all, it takes a long time to get all the people that are working. Right now, I'm I'm writing, you know, Pan's Labyrinth yeah, yeah. with Guillermo uh-huh. del Toro, yeah, Gustavo, yeah. and Jer- Jeremy Unger. We just finished the first act. We've been on it probably a couple of years. Why does it take so long? Well, for because Gustavo has a full life. Yeah. Guillermo has. See, Guillermo just put us all together and walked away. Yeah, yeah. But so he has a lot on his plate here. He's got Guillermo a lot is, on like, his plate. It's a huge movie coming out in October. But here's the other thing: is when you write a screenplay that I'm not in. You write a screenplay. Yeah. You finish a draft. You look at it. You get another draft together. You go. You shoot it. You cut it. And you put it out. Yeah. With with a Broadway musical, you know. And I've got a couple. I've got you know Bugsy Malone and Happy Days are my two experiences. Where mm-hmm. but you 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 put put happy we Gary Marshall and I put happy days together we show it to an audience and we know we know what they're going to love and all the things that we know they're going to love they hate yeah so you go oh Jesus now oh. we need to fix this so the audience becomes a collaborator in the uh-huh. process yeah, yeah I get it and so it's like it, you know it's in in some in some way it's like it's an extended improvisation you show them what you've I got see. and they go uh-huh that's really you know the one that you thought were gonna, was going to make people cry they yeah. laughed at and went yeah. to the bathroom the other so thing is I think out. you also don't yeah, you don't have the money always in a Broadway show up front no so you have a lot of people who are working on spec yep and yeah. you have a lot of people who are things. paid work you know they're yeah. getting paid to do other yeah. things and they're working on spec at the same time whereas by the time you score a movie yeah. that's one of the last things to be done the movie's yeah. all there exactly. so I think the fact that people really are working on Broadway shows at night we on wrote, the subway in their car in their uh, trunk yeah. they're not they're not focused on it 100% well, it I takes understand. a lot of different Kenny people. Asher and I wrote most of the and, and Barbara but, but the, the, the contributors wrote the, all the songs for A Star is Born in seven weeks yeah, I mean, you had we all the you had all the moolah up front. We have, oh, I, yeah, People exactly. really I, work faster for I money. Worked, you must I, have, come on, don't you work faster for money? Extremely quick. I worked, but also <laughs> I worked a year and a half on uh, Ishtar on salary with with uh, with Warren and, and Dustin. And Not Elaine. so easy doing a double, is it? <laughs> stoned in Marrakesh, Paulie. Stoned in Marrakesh. Yes, it I takes was. longer. I was You're sitting walking in, through oh the God. desert. I was sitting there watching this movie, and I'm in the middle of it, and watching these guys trying to do it. I go, it's not so easy doing a double, is it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh yeah. boy, that was fun. Yeah, uh, no, it is. I, I understand now because Tommy and I built up our act by doing it every night. 
Now, Tommy, did you always want to be part of a team, or how did that happen? Was that something uh, no, you wanted no. to be on your own first, and then you found Tommy? No, no, we you met an imp- improv group, improv right? Group, <laughs> sort of. Uh, it, I was up in Vancouver, Canada, for a number of reasons, and I met Tommy Chong, and he was running an improvisational theater company in a topless bar in the worst <laughs> section of Vancouver: Skid Row, Junkieville, Winoville, heroin addicts, everything. And it was, and like, and it was strippers that he's turning into. Actresses and his friends. Bless his heart. And what a job! Well, I want a job like that. <laughs> and so I, uh, I, I, I came down to see it, and I, and I oh, this is. I what it was was hippie burlesque. That's exactly what it wow, was. It was yeah. hippie burlesque. Oh, cool, cool. And it was just like, and I'd seen burlesque before, so I, I know how to do this. So I started writing for the group. He hired me as a writer. And so then I saw all the acts are going, and I used to sit in for anybody who didn't make it or blah 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 blah. So I knew the whole show. After a while, the troupe. And it was a trip. We had a, we had a, a flamenco da- uh, guitarist. We had a mime. We had uh, a tap dancer and four topless girls. And uh, eventually it caved in. And then Tommy and I took what we were doing with the group, consolidated two guys, and left for L.A. There's a movie there. I mean, and that you, that piece of your life right there oh. is... And you knew in that moment you guys were, like, together for... Well, Sure. Yeah, I mean, life on and off. We understood each other. We came from real disparate backgrounds, but somehow a lot alike. We were both in the black community. I I was raised in a black community in South Central LA, born and raised. And Tommy hung out with all the black people in Alberta, both of them. How many were there? I was going to say, like, it was a bit of really. No, but actually, there was a little community in Amber Valley, uh, in between Calgary and Edmonton, and he married a black woman, uh, Maxine. Uh, and uh, he was immersed in R&B. He was an R&B guitarist, so that was yeah. the whole deal. And and, it, and wound up directing eventually. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he really had a you know had a, a, a lust for that. I think yeah, as yeah. well. Oh, he was always kind of the instigator of the band and the leader of the band. He put the band together. Yeah. He found them a place to play. He was their booking agent. All that. so he always assumed that role. Yeah. And. Yeah, so. Did you guys have real fights ever? Oh, all the time. What's oh, the worst fight you ever legendary. had? What's the worst fight you ever had? Uh, the worst fight? Oh, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> That's a greatest hits list. Um, I, don't, I, I don't know. The worst fight? Just, we, we broke up many times during the whole process. Because working with someone, I mean, we fight. I mean, working with someone is hard. Oh, bullshit. We don't fight. We do fight. I yell at you all the time. You're always lying about that. (laughs) No, but it's hard. When you say it is hard to work, creatively working with someone else and being in lockstep is hard. What it was for us, it it was older brother, younger brother scenario. He's eight years older than I. He had more uh, showbiz experience. He He was with Motown. He wrote a hit record and all those things. And so, but after a while, the younger brother gets old enough and he wants to, you know, drive too. And so that was our our problem. And he couldn't, uh, he, he just, he just wanted to be known as the leader, the director, although I directed as much as he did and wrote maybe yeah. even more. But uh, so that was, that was, it was an ego thing. And so I just, uh, you know what? I'm tired of having to convince uh, you that everything's your idea. I think you have an, a, an amazing discipline. I mean, you look you, you look at the amount of work you've done and everything, and like you, you've you've stayed really focused and all. And I think, and not that I want to get into a whole like an outro thing <laughs> about substance abuse or anything, but I think that what was uh, as kind of, kind of the window dressing of Cheech and Chong as with you know with the grass and everything like that, I think was in fact never a big, 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 big piece of your life. Not at all. You know. So you weren't a big stone. No. 
Uh, we were uh, when we were on the road. We belonged to the YMCA. We had a membership to the YMCA, and every town we went to, we go check into the Y, work out every every day, and uh, and, and then go do the show and party as much as anybody. Hey, you know, but you know, but we made ourselves allergic to co- to cocaine right away. Ah, uh, this stuff is oh, fucking up our act. Wish that had happened to me. <laughs> they cut a swath through Hollywood in that time, like on the best and brightest man. We're, Hello, there you go. Look at me. You and loved they, it. It was your baby. Loved it. Are you kidding? Uh, Devil Dan had a brief relationship with it from 1967 to 1989. <laughs> yeah. Longer than your marriages. Exactly. It was, uh, and, and so we'd made ourselves was, allergic to it right it away. It was my primary, I never primary relationship. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm the girl who believed reefer madness. That's how I describe uh, myself. I didn't do anything. Unless I knew there was one. There was one. I say that I'm the one. I'm She's the, the one. one. I'm the one when they say in the film, if we like affect one life, if one person walks out of a theater and doesn't you're the, you're do the it, one. I'm the one. I made that film a success. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> they all the royalties. kids all over America sat in schools and went, this is bullshit. I'm going out and get high. I went, no, gateway yeah. drug. The first time I ever smoked a joint, I, I, mean, I got high and I go, and what else have they been lying about? <laughs> yeah. Because, no, this is not the evil like they said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there are people that can smoke a joint every now and then, and there are people that can have a drink every now and then. I'm just not one yeah. of them, and it took me about 49 years ooh, to discover that, wow, you know, that I'm one of those people that goes, ooh, and this is what I was looking for. I mean, this sense of, of, of connectedness in the world around me is what I was looking for, you know. I mean, you walk in a room, we may not have seen each other for, for a couple of years and all, and we connect, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, you know I, I, I may wake up the next day and be embarrassed and ashamed from what I've done the night before, but I remember what I did the night before. It's the best life I ever had. Yeah. 25 years. 25 years. Yeah. But it's really interesting because you didn't, you weren't stoners, but yet, and, and I know this for myself, your names become synonymous oftentimes. That, well, that's, you know, it's a real Cheech and Chong stone, right? Act, I mean, acting. It is, it's acting. but, it, but it, it's never <laughs> yeah. gone away that, has it? That, no, that, that sort of thought. Maybe you, well, you, with, you with your work and all your acting. Well, you had so you many don't years. want it to go away. You want it in addition to what you're doing so and that's what i never i never tried to fight it you know like oh no i'm this other guy now i'm that guy and this and this guy you know so it, it worked fine for me it just you know because it's an uh, cheech and chong is worldwide internationally from the beginning and we are just as big in, in istanbul as we are in new york and that's that's what freaked me out. Yeah. You know, that's what like whoa. And it was the mo- first of all, it was the records, and it was their way to learn English, in all those countries. I've had a, z- a zillion guys come up. To, I'm I'm from Tokyo, and I learn speak English. Ha, huh? your record. You know? <laughs> Dave, not here. They were not here. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> or oh else you go to South Carolina. Hey, I like that one. Dave ain't home right now. You know. <laughs> yeah. But you so, never got you. Know, you were never wooed by the, by the celebrity thing. I mean, you no. you stayed real centered, and that's yeah. Uh, no, it's like you know, I, I was I've been a meditator since I was 19 years old. Wow. Uh, transcendental, did Tai Chi, still do it, still meditate, you know, center, you know. But I'm an actor. But you but you have you do Tai Chi and you have that quicker backswing. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. I go, what is the what is the deal? I, I, my game started to de-evolve, so I actually made the radical step of taking lessons and yeah. it's helped me a lot yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I just love it. We need to play golf together. We yep. need to hang together. I'm, I'm here now for the... I might have a job, but I'm here for the duration. You're doing the virgin thing right now. now I mean, not the personal thing, but isn't that the name of the show that you've been doing? Uh, Jane the Virgin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I, you know, I don't know if, I think they're going to use me again. I was brought in as the love interest for the grandmother, although I'm a priest. And that's where my career is right now in TV. I'm the banger of grandmothers, you know? You know we need a Chicano you know priest. Quick, go to some priest. We need a Chicano banger, man. I was <laughs> Because I, I was on Judging Amy for a little while. It's pretty while. funny. You're banging grandmas on TV, and then they look at your and wife, then, and it's like, look yow. at you got away. Yeah, you got Act, it home. Acting. <laughs> uh, I was I was on Judging Amy, and I was uh, 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 what's her, uh, the 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 grand the mother. Yeah. Uh, what's oh, she's gonna wait, tell wait, me? Wait, this is going wrong. Incidentally, the actor's name I couldn't remember is Claude Akins, and it comes oh. to me comes in ten minutes. You'll remember that name. I was dying. It was, this is Claude Akins is not the grandma no, that no, okay. no, no, she was Amy's mother. Uh, uh, she's a very famous actress. Diane Weiss. No, no, no. Yeah. I know, I know. He, okay, yes. we're all having a senior moment. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, I, I can look God. it up on my iPhone, I suppose. Yeah. So, okay. so anyways, so I So moving was, right along, Chief. Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're... The show. No. Oh, judging uh, 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 Jane Just, the Virgin. They came me. Uh, they brought me in to be the love interest for the grandmother, and I'm a priest. So I don't think they've kind of figured out how are we going to make this fly. I think the, my guess is they're going to have this guy leave the priesthood and some, but they've been pushing it off, you know, because they're rewriting the scripts. And so I should be on the program soon. I love the program. I love Jane the Virgin. I love Gina Rodriguez. I think she is just it. I mean, she really is just it. But she's the bomb. There's another Rodriguez you work with a lot. Robert. Roberto. Roberto. One of my acolytes. He, yes. was, the, he was the generation of the kids who grew up on Cheech and Chong records and movies. Yes. And and from he's from Mexico? He's from San Antonio, Texas. Oh, he is? Yeah, yeah. Wow. His name is Robert. Oh, sí, claro, 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 sí, claro. claro sí. Paul, he likes to slip into Spanish. Yeah, I, well, I'm married to a, a media Latina, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. which is not half bad. It's Mariana's a Swedekin. She's Swedish and Mexican. And really? you have to be cautious about approaching her because if you, if you approach the Mexican side thinking that you're approaching the Mexican side and you bump into the Swedish side, you can get a burr. My, get my, a cold, two, you know? uh, my son and daughter are, are Sweens. Are they? Yeah, Sweeners. They're Swexicans. Sweeners. Sweeners. Yeah, it's exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because my Patty, my ex, my middle wife, uh, was uh, a Swedish German. Patty was great. Ah, she was great. Patty Until was, she wasn't. Until she was. <laughs> but you got, but you, that was a great time in your life together. 20 no? years. Yeah, exactly. That was great. She was a yeah. very, very talented artist, painter. Yeah. And, yeah. Know, very talented, funny, beautiful, and. So my brother-in-law does a magazine called Juxtapose. Oh, yeah. You know Juxtapose? I know it very well. Greg Escalante, who is... Really? Who is, uh, is, my, is Mariana Escalante. I married her brother. Is Greg Escalante. Oh. Is Juxtapose. And I think Juxtapose is, is probably a great place where we can slip into your amazing collection of Chicano oh, art. Oh, thank you. Know? you. I work with Juxtapose all the time. I just did an a online video for that. I them. love... I've, I've discovered lowbrow art through that and love that. Yeah. Oh, Brower is great. Oh, my God. It's, you know this that kind of work? Oh, it's fantastic. It's kind of cartoon fantasy characters told in a very idiosyncratic, blood-dripping, ghoulish oh, way. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, All it's, right. it's, it's, it's sort of gr- grown-up graffiti, but yes, not I really grown-up. Yes. It's just... Yeah. 
but it's there's a you know there's a, a a whole world there that is that is so American too. I mean, juxtaposes just, the biggest art magazine in the world. Is it really? Yes, it is, sir. I had no idea. I'm going to start returning my brother-in-law's calls. Oh, baby, really? <laughs> no, it it is. And I I read it. I've I've been associated with them for a long time doing this. And I've done various articles, but they they really represent the meet the middle of the worldwide art movement, street yeah. art. Well, he's the curator of, of yeah. Juxtapose, yeah, and it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, and you go to some of the, you know, like I just had, had a thing on, on the whole thing about the car culture. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the, like the second car culture, uh, uh, disp- what do you call it? Uh, Tyne Daily. Yeah, yeah. Tyne <laughs> <laughs> Daily. Is that who you're trying to remember? Tyne Daily. Oh, my gosh. I go from, oh, my gosh. I thought, all, I thought all of a sudden, Tyne Daily is Tyne the second Daly's car culture? Wait a minute. Does that mean like with Cagney and Lacey? Because they were in a police that, car? Yeah. Oh is that what you're I, did, I had to do it now because it'll go. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's a supreme hilarious. moment when that That's happens, hilarious. isn't it? You just she go, was lovely to work with, man. Oh, she was I just that. I mean, I don't trust anybody that's not a trooper in show business. And right. I liked her partner, Sharon, Sharon Glass. 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 Sharon Glass. Glass. Yeah, yeah. I, I did her show as well. I actually played an elf on her show. You do you do Chicano priests, I do elves. elves. You know, I've got my own pointy <laughs> shoes, for God's sake. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> they just go up. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. they curl over. That is so weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what were you saying? Something about something. Yeah, we're talking. We're talking about cult. You're the, back with ex wives. Somehow you got lowbrow art and lowbrow. I, I was I was trained uh, not trained in art, but trained in art history from a very young age. Uh, uh, I was and when I was in first grade, I, I was in South Central, I, I went to Trinity Street School and we went to uh, the Grand Central Market, you know, as a field trip and then you're supposed to, oh, it's everything that grows on earth was in the thing. And wow. we came back to the thing and, and, the, and the teacher says, I want you to, everybody to draw what their favorite thing was at the market. So I saw these big banana squashes and they were bigger than I was. I, wow. mean, I, was, I was always a little kid. Yeah. And so That's I was, one of the reasons I like you. Yeah, baby. You see, <laughs> I do I, you know. <laughs> and I drew these big banana squashes and my little stick figure kid smiling and the teacher comes around to collect papers and she's making comments oh that's very nice oh you used every color that's good and picks up my papers <laughs> well you'll never be an artist well, oh, and it was just a dagger to, to my little sensitive oh, Chicano God. how not to be heart. a teacher and and I just my that part of me just crawled away to the darkest corner of my soul and died yeah. and she said I'll be a comedian <laughs> and so, but I still loved art and, and so I started learning about art yeah and I went to the library every week and took out all every art book that I could. Did you? Yeah, and I looked. And did it. you keep painting? No, I, I never was. No, no, I never painted. You never, never picked drew up a pen or after that. After so that. she totally extinguished that light inside you. To, you know, I, I'm writing my memoir now, and I just finished that section. And I says, you know, and I, if if I was older, I would have thought of something witty to say, like. Uh, Rotten hell and die, you soul crushing bitch, you know. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, I was yeah. only seven years old, you know. And I was like, okay, I was trying my best not to burst out crying. And but it, it propelled me into this other direction. And so by the time I was 12, I was conversant with, with world art. I knew Rembrandt, I knew Van Gogh, I know Miro, and all those, all those things. And so, you know, because I wanted to be sophisticated. Yeah, you know, really, when I was from a, an early age, you from, wanted to be sophisticated. I, I, what did your parents do? My dad was a policeman. Dad was a cop. Okay, thirty years, LAPD, and my mom was a housewife. And uh, but I had this group of cousins who were very smart, really smart, and uh, we were little blue-collar Chicano kids that went to Catholic school. And my 
eldest cousin, Louis, he was just a, a genius. He got a, a scholarship to every school. He got a scholarship to grade school. <laughs> really got and then you, moved, you moved to the valley. From, then we and these, moved to the valley. So one day everybody was black, and the next day everybody was white. It was like going from Nigeria to Knott's Berry Farm, man. It was like. <laughs> and how did that affect you? It was. I, I learned how to get along with everybody. Yeah. And that's what because I was fine in the black neighborhood. It was really violent, and and we moved out because my dad was in, involved in the shooting and the burglary, and it was a lot of you know, let's get out of here. Yeah, and and uh, so we went to the valley, and it was like you know like Mayberry. Did he stay on the job in the valley? Did he oh yeah, change, yeah, yeah, change yeah. to a different yeah, yeah. Uh, division. Yeah, they LAPD cops they move him around all the time to different yeah. divisions, yeah. you know, and so he. So with everything that's going on with you in the world these days and all, and you know, there's so many guys that with great hearts and, and, and souls on the job and everything, and yet what you're reading about all the time is that there's this uprising against what, what's happening with, yeah. you know, with the police shootings and all. You, this must be a tough, tough thing for you to deal with because you know what kind of cop your dad was. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing is... <laughs> Uh, cops deal with bad guys every day. Yeah. I mean, that's who they deal with, you know. So they're, 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 they don't, you know, go to arrest Mother Teresa. No. You know, they're the bad guys, and the bad guys shoot at him. They're the guy yeah. who was, yeah. or they try to stab him or they hit him over the head yeah. with something and all the time. So you know? when a cop tells me to do something, no matter what it is, I do it. They got a gun. You know, they got guns. I and they're, always, they would ever, if I've ever been pulled over for something, it's just whatever you want. Whatever yeah. you want, it's just yours. I'm I'm like the Richard Pryor school. I am reaching for my wallet. You yeah, know? Oh, I know. Uh, you but know? you know, but it's funny because it's funny how a piece of art can wake up something in you that, that you haven't really related to yeah, before. Yeah. But watching the movie Out of Compton, you know, Straight Out of Compton. I haven't seen it yet. I'm oh, dying to see it. Oh, it's an amazing picture. I and I got to tell you that somewhere in the middle of that movie, I went, Okay, I, I would like to go back to the moment where I met Dr. Dre and turn to him and say, you know what? I get what you did. I get the gift you get, gave to the community and to all of the world that is that is prepared to hear what you did. And the and beast to, headset. Pardon the beast headset. <laughs> uh, what, you, no, thank you, Tracy. You see this? Is, yeah, I'm having no. a, I'm having a moment here. And it, but she but just I, I runs you right into the when dip, you, you see know? this picture. When you see this picture. When you see you know yeah, the, yeah. you know the the, the harassment. You know, out in front sure. of a studio of, of of these young rap artists yeah. and all, who are just out there taking us, having a smoke between recording yeah. sessions. Was, that happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, exactly. all the time. Yeah. And I mean, I was used to it when growing up in, in, in South Central. You know, you know, even though my dad was a cop, I was still a kid out there, and it yeah. was like I was, you know, younger. But you could, the thing that is most memorable about that about that neighborhood is the sound of sirens. There was yeah. sirens every like and twenty minutes. And it freaked me out, especially after the shooting. It freaked me out, and I used to run and hide and hold my ears and just like, oh. and then we moved to Granada Hills where it was a million crickets. You know, no sirens, just crickets. What about helicopters? That was you that know. drove me out of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the helicopters came later though, didn't yeah, yeah. they? When you than when you were growing up. Yeah, they Because you also there wasn't the there weren't the there wasn't the gang violence at that time. There was later to come in South Central. Was there, there was I mean, like in terms of the shootouts all the time. There was a violence of poverty and it's always my my neighborhood now, which was totally black, is now totally Latino. Same problems. You know, yeah. same and maybe even worse. And the Latino gangs are very violent. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, it's the nature of a gang. It's the problems of poverty. It doesn't, of course it is. It's, it's like, you know... When, you know what it was? You, it, you take your power where you can get it. And when you feel powerless, you take yeah, your power in the exactly. way you can get when it. I was, when I was a kid, I remember we played cowboys. 
And, you know, it's like it was based on, on Western history and then looking at Western movies. And also it was like we had our guns. We had gunfights. We drank Pepsi out of a, out of a shot yeah, glass. Yeah. It, that's the way we would play it, being cowboys and all. I like it. When I got a little older, I realized that all of the gunfights in all of the history of the Old West, that you, in a month, you know, in, in a major city, you're going to have that basically that many gunfights. Yeah, yeah. That it's just what's happened to this world. And it's about guns, you know. And it's, I'm you know, you know, 88 people are shot every day. I think really? about it. I mean, 88 people are Shot every day in this country and in Canada, how many? Oh, I think I, I, eight you know, during the last ten years. Yeah, yeah almost none. No, I mean I went on and looked. I went on and looked because somebody on my uh, Facebook page got into a squabble with me about this pendulette, um, who's not for gun control, and I went on to see and he said oh, you know, there's no violence the last year this has been the most violent summer in, in years yeah. in terms of, of, of guns and uh, my, my daughter lives in Chicago shootings. they call it Chirac Chirac and it's yeah. the, uh, every 4th of July there's 10 people killed every 4th of July but yes. you know why as a culture should people go to a movie theater yeah, even, yeah. and even have to think yeah. is someone in this audience Holding a weapon sure. and going to take yeah, fire. Yeah. I mean, the, the, in this country, you would even think that you would drop your kid off at nursery school and the kid, the school could be ambushed yeah. by some crazy. I'm willing to I'm willing to register every bullet that I own, not just the guns, but every well, bullet and the. No, that's idea, right, because you're not for gun control. You're just you're, for, you're just for. Well, I'm one of those middle of the range guys because I think you should have a, be able to have a, a weapon in your home under lock and key that, that is safe that you know to protect yourself if you need to. And you and I disagree with that. I know we disagree you on know, that. But okay. I also think that the idea of having automatic weapons, uh, you know, like AR. 15s or whatever they're or, or on the street makes you no know, to have a clip that holds yeah. you know and the fact just, you can buy them at Walmart it's crazy. there is something about that to me the God fact you can America, walk into a Walmart <laughs> but, and buy a round of ammunition like you were going to go shoot in a battle in Iraq is just yeah. and how about insane. the fact that, that yeah. the same token you, you know like they, there are certain albums they won't sell because of the language I know you know, it's I know. Just oh, yeah, or books because there's sex <laughs> in them sorry. they will not sell a book because there's sex so you said, fuck, but go around the corner and you can arm yourself for an entire na- uh, yeah. you know, yeah. battalion. In AR-15, you know. Well, America, this is, I yeah. love the woman, the woman that just got sent to, sent to jail for not issuing marriage license to gay people because it's against her religion. They sent her to jail today. Oh, it's, it's, I love that. I love that yeah. part of America. That's just you have, you know, freedom and yeah, yeah. and God told me. Yeah. And that's, yeah. The, that's the dichotomy that we're yeah. dealing with. And my daughter married her partner on May. 28th, yeah. and, and I've never seen anybody happier than the two no, of them. It's just, what? The, who, who are cares? they hurting? I know. <laughs> who yeah. are they hurting? Yeah, just exactly, like, come on, exactly. give me a fucking break here. Wow. Uh, yeah. The, but so the, the thing about having a gun under lock and key, you know, if you're going to have a gun yeah. in your house, and I have a gun in my house that's loaded, and it's where I can reach out of the bed, pull exactly. it out, and shoot a bad guy that's coming to kill me. As is mine. Yeah. As is mine. But the fact is, when I walk out of that house or I leave or whatever like that, I make sure it's it's put away under lock and key so nobody can come in. No kid can visiting with a friend can come in and find that piece and all. But yeah, yeah. I think we have the right to you know, to to keep and bear arms. I I do too. You know, I and, do too. and look at Tracy. Look at the, yeah. the, you're seeing right now. Uh, there's a thought brewing, which I will experience no, after I, you're gone. <laughs> I I was I was raised no, with, I with a policeman. No, for, I get for, it. You know, I, I get it. And and my father, who I was not raised with, had guns. Um, I I've been around people, many people who have owned guns in houses that yeah. I lived in. Yeah. Uh, 
I just it scares me. You know, yes. I, and I remember when my and it older, should it and should I remember scare you. calling people when my oldest daughter went on play dates in L.A. Not yeah. in New York so much because people in, who live in apartment buildings really aren't that armed as they yeah. are here. Yeah. But because people live in isolated places here, you feel vulnerable. There is a much different kind of environment in which you feel like maybe I need to be armed. Yeah. In in Cal in New York, you don't feel that way when you're living in a giant building. And, you know, yeah. is Lady Gaga going to come down from upstairs? And yeah. like, no. So, um, but but I, you never know. But you never. Know. <laughs> but I remember calling when you when your kid went on a play date. In a certain time, you would call parents and say, "Do you have a gun in your house? Yeah. Where do you keep it?" Is there a lock on it? Yeah. Is there a clip That's on so it? Smart. Where are the gun? So Where smart. are the bullets? Because you you were yeah. always there was a period. You remember when you were reading about kids that would pick up the gun and shoot themselves yeah, because yeah. it's like you playing cowboys, bang bang bang. I don't want my kids around. One guns. of my one of my great prayers of then thanks. Teach them about guns. One of my great prayers of, of thanks. And, but and, if and, another kid picks up a gun, Chage, you, you just don't know. That's all. You sure. know. I mean, yes. I mean, you're a grown man. You don't have little kids around the house. You you're safe. It just—it's it's, it's when I they get taught... in the hands of crazies. It's not the—it's not the use people are worried about. No. it's these guys who have vendettas that get these guns sure. that walk in and then they go yeah. shoot. I think yeah. this country's proven there are a lot of people, for mental health reasons, yeah. who cannot be exposed to firearms. Well, sure, and that and then, should not be, and should not be. But where you lo- where is the line of demarcation? Yeah. You know, and that's that's the sure. issue. Yes, of course. Should a responsible person such as yourself have a gun? Absolutely. Should some guy who's not taking his meds, who has some big vendetta against everybody who's not white and you're not white, have a gun? No. Yeah. no I, and, I agree and, with you there. But yeah, there, yeah. but we don't have a way of going forward that allows for anybody to really make the right choices in that. And that's the problem. Why how, not? Why not? Because, no, why, why don't we have those? Because that hasn't been in, in any mm. way. Because how do, number one, people don't follow through. You have yeah. background checks and they're yeah. very, very ineffectual, right? Uh-huh. Everyone yeah, yeah, who was shot. There's always a place to go buy a gun where there is no background check. There's, there's always a place. There, you go to a gun show and all rules are that. off. Everyone does say that. I had I had but an Uzi for a long time. <laughs> but why? Okay, let me ask you guys a question. I had one. I had, yeah, I let me ask you guys a question, and <laughs> okay. this is just honest. Why is it in countries where there are gun control laws in place? You do not have the mass shootings you have in this country, what? and this is the most violent country on earth. For- That's why I brought up Canada. That's why I brought up Canada. What I was going to say is my prayer of gratitude is that you know when I got sober, I you know I carried a piece until I got sober. Yeah. I got and sober. And you were I pretty looked, fucked up to have a gun around. And I was <sighs> very fucked up. And I got sober, and I looked down on my right hip, and I went, oh, that's embarrassing. And the fact is, it wasn't even good drug paranoia. It was ego. I wanted to be like Sinatra. Sinatra carried a gun. Yeah, I yeah. wanted to carry a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I got rid of all that. I mean, it's like, you know, but, but you know, there's, there's still... There, I have memories of driving, uh, turning off Sunset, and going downhill, and coming that close. Another coat of paint, and I would have hit a pedestrian. And I was driving when I was loaded. And I, and I also think about the peace. And I, and it's like yeah. I thank God every day that I didn't hurt somebody, you know, with with either the gun, the car, the behavior. I you know I also think women are much more sensitive to this than men are. And I don't you know in draw, in drawing a gender line, and I hate to do it, but the, you you find women are let's much get out more. Of here. Let's they're, go. They're no, slow. I mean, they're slower on the draw. That's why. <laughs> well, we also didn't play. You talk about playing cops and robbers yeah, and you guns. You know, there there is a different mentality, and women think about protecting children, and which is what I think about in uh-huh. terms of guns. Yeah. yeah but, but I think that women are much more vocal about having gun control sure, than men are. They, they have children. They have children. It's true, though. You no, know, they give birth to children. They so give birth to children, you know, and they're not also not raised on violent games, yeah. which you guys all are, which is bang, bang, shoot them up. And, you know, yeah. from time you're a little kid, it's there's a whole mental set that goes on. So every woman I know is for gun control, yeah. and I end up having calm yet 
you know, real discussions and, yeah. and differences of opinion with man on gun control. The most. Pa- I mean, my husband's the same way. He says you can't do it. It's just impossible. You're not going to do the it. The most passionate uh, advocate of gun control that I ever met was Harry Nelson. After John really? Leonard was shot, Harry really? Harry devoted almost all of his time when he wasn't writing. Or, or having a drink because Harry was an interesting guy. I have a really told, good you know Harry Nelson tourist stories. Yeah, uh, we were both good friends of Harry, yeah. Yeah. and uh, but he was passionate about gun yeah. control. You know what? Growing up in a in, in a cop culture, my dad was a cop. My uncle was the highest ranking Chicano in the LAPD, Rudy De Leon, and my other friend uh, Frank Miranda, my other uncle, they were all cops, and so it was a cop culture. Growing up with guns, you. Every month, the police a policeman has to go to a, a gun range and qualify. They yeah, have to yeah. make a certain score every month. And my dad used to take me with him to the police academy. And hearing twenty five guns go off at the same time, boy, does it puts a damper on that shit, man. Ready on the left, ready on the right, ready on the fire in the line, fire. <laughs> and you go. It makes you run away because so, it's scary. Just to jump, jump to uh, back to a little time travel, <laughs> time travel with you. Yeah, when when the first Cheech and Chong album came yeah. out and all, what did your dad think of the album? Oh, he loved it. Did he love it? Oh, oh the I cops love were our biggest love fans that. because we were dealing in a very gentle way with what they were dealing, we're dealing with in a very aggressive and, and, way. Yeah, and they they saw the humor on it right away. My dad loved it because hey, give me those some more of those free albums I can yeah. give the juvenile delinquents, you know? So, yeah, yeah. So find out what what's happening. Wow. So it was it was a Cops were our biggest fans. How did you wind? How did you meet Lou? Lou Adler at the Troubadour. Yeah, uh, we were doing Hoot Night. You remember? Yeah, sure. The infamous sure. Monday Night Hoot Night. Whoa! And everybody was there, and we had been doing it for a bunch of. I just Mondays. got a buzz when you said Hoot Night. <laughs> you could walk in that bar and get pregnant if you were a girl. Just walk in the bar, you know. <laughs> and 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 uh, he was there. We had got set up by Danny Hutton. Uh-huh, you know. sure. Oh, yeah. And, 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 Sang a bunch of my songs. And uh, from Three Dog Night, and, and and he had set it up that night for the Warner Brothers guys to come down and see us. Lou was in the bar, uh, and Bob Gibson from yeah. uh, oh, Gibson, sure. Stromberg, Gibson Stromberg. He comes out and gets Lou. He says, come here, I want you to come in here and see the next act you're going to sign. Yeah. And so uh, we, we went off and had a great show, and we're out and standing in front, you know, basking in our glory there. And he sends... Missy Montgomery. Do you know Melissa Montgomery? She was Dinah Shore's daughter. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know who she is. She huh? was a friend. Just... I'm just still thinking about Gary Stromberg and Bob Gibson. <laughs> Please. Oh, my God. What was that? <laughs> Gary's in great shape now. It's yeah, I saw him just the other day. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And, he's, and so she, she comes down and says, that Lou Adler was in the, in the audience. He, he would like to meet with you guys. Well, okay. I knew who Lou Adler was. Tommy didn't. Yeah. And so we met with him the next day, went down to his office, signed a contract in his, in his office there, Away we go. And that was like 70... 70. One. No, 71. 71, and then the next year he did Tapestry. I mean, he, Lou had an no, amazing... No, he did Tapestry that year. That year. It was it was released a week after we signed wow. it. Wow, wow. It's like, oh, this guy's good. Yeah, he had a good eye and a good ear. Wow. Yeah, he does. He's, you know. We've had a spectacular career, Richard Moran. Baby, you Man, know, yeah. who, who would have thunk, you know, this yeah. little Chicano yeah. kid from... What was your dream? My dream. Outside, after the teacher squelched the art idea. After uh, she squelched the... Uh... I, I was always a singer from a very early age. From my, I made my first record when I was five years old. And, and singing Mexican songs because I could sing in tune. This little squeaky voice. <laughs> All those, you know. And so I was always going to be... And I, was, I sang groups from the 
from the time I was in grade school all through high school during the folk scare of the 60s you know I was I was folk singer and, and R&B singer and all that so I was going to be a singer wow. and, which I was until I and are and are till I was a potter <laughs> I was a potter <laughs> wait a minute potter wait a potter potter my last semester in in, in college I I had uh, the artistic dream continued to linger and you were going to throw pots I was I discovered my my medium that was because I didn't have I couldn't draw I, I didn't I refused to learn and blah, blah, blah. and and I was like I had a one social class that I was putting off for four years and I had to take it so I had to fill out the rest of my schedule and I was standing in line and there's this really cute girl and she says uh, I said well what are you taking she says well, I'm uh, taking a pottery class you should take it with me uh, okay okay <laughs> so okay I took pottery and ta-da! the doors opened up and I was a potter I discovered my medium my Mexican jeans came kicking out the door and, and uh, I, I, I freaked out I quit, quit all my other classes and you loved it and I loved it and I became a potter and I went to Canada uh, well, uh, twofold. Uh, the, I was involved in the draft resistance movement. Very I kind of picked that up when you said you went to Canada in yeah. those years. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and I got under a hundred pounds to stay out of the army. I did. <laughs> did you really? I, did. I got under a hundred pounds. Wow. Yeah. To stay out of the army. Wow, that was good. Yeah, <laughs> amphetamines and dried apricots. So oh. you live on that, and it just <laughs> whips it right down. At under 100 pounds, that's good to know. Yeah. Well, the apricots, dried apricots, your body uses up more energy. Uh, to to digest it yeah. than than it is in the dried apricot. Oh, that's uh, so, yeah yeah. So ladies and gentlemen, you now know. So you have two draft dodgers yeah. and, and, a, and a screenwriter, a beautiful screenwriter, I, talking to you. I right wasn't now. a draft dodger. I was a draft resistor. And yeah, me what, too. What happened is I, I I turned in my draft card at a big international, and I and I didn't recognize the government's authority over me. Yeah, <laughs> little Richie Marin from uh, South Central. No, I don't think so. And uh, and uh, so, so I, but I ostensibly I was, so what. General Hershey was a, a director of the draft at that time. You remember? He issued a, a proclamation that anybody who did any of the things that I was doing, draft uh, demonstrating, doing, tanning the draft cards, would be immediately reclassified, regardless of their status. I was a student. As one A. As one A, drafted and sent to the front lines of Vietnam. That was his fix. Totally illegal, you know, but uh, it was going to work its way through the courts. And so in that process, I went to Canada. I wasn't drafted yet, but I knew it was coming. They had sent me a reclassification out, and I was 1A, still in school. Yeah. And so, but then pottery But you took in. those pots and went to Canada. I, 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 I went to, and I, and I was apprenticed to a very famous potter up there. And, and, and I lived in the in the mountains for, for a couple of years in Alberta. It was just um, you amazing. light up when you talk you, about you it. You must have loved Yeah, your face changes. I mean, I was right from South Central and was, you know, hunting bears the next day, you know, and it was like, wow, and seeing wow. moose and, wow. and doing and living by that. I had to go to the river for my water every day. Walden's yeah. Pond yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. And, it was like, and did you put the water in a pot that you'd made, that you'd thrown? No, no, no. it was a little red wagon. Okay. <laughs> well, I, you know, I went down and I found... Yeah, what I, happened to the chick? Did you get the chick in the pottery class or... The chick. The chick that got you into pottery. That got you into pottery. No, but I met her years later. She was really cool. She was had a boyfriend, you know. I'm like, eh, I don't want to do that. My husband said, because he went, he took pottery, too. And, I, and if, you, if you look at my husband, you go, Glenn took pot, And he took pottery for the same reason. Yeah. Sure. He said all the hot chicks were throwing pots. Yeah. You know, in the, 60, in the, in the yeah. 70s, all the hot yeah. chicks were there throwing pots. I, was, I guess the scene in Ghost, you know, really yeah. did have a... I was throwing I mean, pots I, in, in a band. How else are you going to get chicks?
chicks. <laughs> like, you know, that's, that's, I love it. That's I love everything. It. Right? No, but it was it was it was great. I mean, I lived by myself in a little log cabin in the middle of the of the, of the forest and went to the riverfront, chopped wood every day, coal, and so you arri- basically arrived in Canada knowing no one. None. I had forty bucks in my pocket and knew not a soul. Wow! And you yeah. found a place to live. You built a life there. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I lived yeah. in Canada for three. I, one year outside of Calgary in this little place called Bragg Creek, and then one year in Banff. Yeah, Bel- yeah. Banff is gorgeous, Banff is isn't it? Banff is beautiful, yeah. I had my last honeymoon there. We Did was, you yeah, really? Yeah. With Natasha? With Natasha. We took a train from Vancouver to Banff. I have heard that the, the train through the Northern Rockies is in, in Canada is one of the most gorgeous rides in the world. Spectacular. Well, spectacular. And then you met Tommy Chong in Canada. Yeah, and then I met, I met, went to Vancouver, met Tommy Chong, and well, oh, okay, this works. Uh, you know, a uh, uh, dope-oriented R&B uh, uh, naked improv. Yeah, I could do that. Uh, yeah, you know what? We're going to start. We're going to start a movement. But think about think <laughs> and about you did. think about the fact that you know we always talk about Noah's a gift. You know, it's like you're 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 faced up to this horrific possibility of being sent to Vietnam and all. And with me, they looked at me. They said, "You'll make a perfect tunnel rat." Because I was so little, and I went, "Well, no, I'm too I'm too short to to carry a gun." They said, "No, you're not. You're over five foot. You're okay." And I went, "Oh shit!" You know, that's when I lost all the weight and all. But the fact is that you know this coming up against that wall of something yeah. that is totally unacceptable to you you had a moral response to that 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 you 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 took action yeah, yeah. and and it changed your entire life I, there was That's, no there was no way i was going to go in the army and enter my consciousness you know, if i had had a kid i have a son at that age i mean i was yeah. a kid at that age i would have totally done that with my kid i would have yeah. totally taken my kid out of the country Absolutely. and away from that without question i heard somebody say one time that that uh, the major moments in our life uh, you can be measured in inches you know and and in moments that and yeah. in minutes that that you know you would did that and there was a minute when you walked into a room and Tommy Chong was walking into the room as well or was there? Well, it was the, the really deciding factor is he offered me $5 more to hang out with naked chicks and do improv than I was getting delivering carpets. So, hmm... Naked, naked chicks, wind, naked carpet. chicks smoking dope, doing improv. Yeah, right, let me see some yeah. of the chicks. Yeah. Oh, well, all right. <laughs> I did a movie called Headless Body and Topless Barn, oh, and where that. you spend a couple of weeks, you know, sitting around with somebody with their shirt off, and it's amazing. They say that you become, you know, you, you, you know you're, to you're it. immune to it. Not in the least. <laughs> Not in the least. Not no, I in never, the least. I never had that experience no. either. I don't think. No, I don't think yeah. that happens. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was. This was a tough bar. I mean, it was like it, it was tough. There oh was yeah. A, there was a person killed in the bar while while we were there. A big sh- a shot and killed, and, and and people were getting in fights all the time and. And people were trying to get on the stage to kill us. Oh, my God. You know, because they they wanted to see naked women, not two long-haired hippies talking to them. They just come out of the bush. Violent response to a bad set, huh? Yeah. (laughs) Well, there was. was, uh, was, Tommy's brother was the bouncer. He was standing. He was like, he was just, you know tough guy yeah and he was the body you know, and and very silent and he came over around one day he says mm, my knuckle really hurts I don't know he, well okay we'll put something on it you know then he came back the next day mm, my knuckle really hurts well go to the doctor and see what's wrong if your knuckle really hurts and so he goes to the doctor he had a tooth in his knuckle oh my god <laughs> 
Yeah. How is that for a story? Uh, I, feel, I feel better now. Yeah, when your book comes out, I'll be at the front of the line to buy it. I mean, this <laughs> has got to be a great memoir. These are, this, I've been reliving all this stuff. I'm like, okay, how do I kind of clean this up, but still mm, get to the no, end? No, no, don't, no, don't clean it up. Yeah, well, I've, I've opted for Do you have that. a title yet? I uh, know. Do you have a publisher? Mm. Yeah? Yes, Who's publishing it? Uh, Hatchet. Good publisher. Fantastic. Yeah. And so That's so exciting. Yes, How I'm long did they give you? Like a year? Because yeah. now they make you write so fast. No, they give me a time because they looked at me. Yeah, I'm going to give me a year. <laughs> well, the greatest part of doing this gig, and I say this all the time, but the greatest part of doing the yeah, podcast is you don't have to give up my fan card. And if I say something twice, she memorizes it and makes fun of me every time <laughs> I say it again. But I don't have to give up my fan card. And I, in this case, I don't have to give up my friend card. It's really, you know, it's great to be able to pick up the phone or jump online and go Cheech would you come on would you do it we're starting to do this thing would you do it immediately he's right there and says yeah "Yeah." so we had great times together because we were like these new newbies coming up on the lot and he was a he was a writer and a performer and and made albums and we were trying to do what we were trying to do we used to hang out a a lot together you know it's like uh, you know scheming (laughs) I think that's what you do in the early days one of the the great stories that I always tell about 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 us is that one more time bring up the name of Robert Mitchum is I was I was roasted at the City of Hope yeah. and I called Cheech and I said you know Cheech you and Tommy need to go come on and be on my days for my roast and he went oh no man we don't do that kind of shit wait a minute come on I can't do that you know I said Robert Mitchum's on the dais and he went I'm there man but, God Robert Mitchum was a god <laughs> I mean he was just a god I know I, I, I met him oh before, yeah before that next door he was at a party next door and I was living in Malibu and it was like I walked in it was Robert Mitchum yeah I didn't know what the fuck to say. Did yeah. you tell him the story before I got here? I told him the story, yeah, that we met in Robert Mitchum's bedroom and all oh, which yeah. Of course, you know, yeah, exactly. So you know, what so. exactly was the story behind that story? It's well there's the picture in the book, actually. Okay. Yeah. Well there the story we tell it on every podcast. Maybe this podcast should be just be called Robert Mitchum's Bedroom. That uh, might get ooh, a what lot a great of great name for a, you know oh, what? Like, there you go. I just we came for idea of Robert Mitchum's bedroom. Come yeah. join Paul Williams and Tracy Jackson in Robert Mitchum's bedroom. From from Robert Mitchum's bedroom to eternity. I, I I I met him in this thing, and it was a little party next right next door, and he pulls a, a joint out of his sock, yeah. and I hadn't seen that in a zillion years, and and I start to smoke a joint with Robert Mitchum. It's like oh, I can't believe this. Scraped like off the, King the, Touch. The Scraped the na- off King Touch. That's us on Robert Mitchum's bed. Oh baby. Both of us fat. We were a little, I was loaded. At, porky. We porky were, and we're Porky, both, too. Both a little Porky. Yeah. little Porky. There, I was 21. Wow. I don't know. How old were you? And, and I was fried. I don't know. <laughs> but the story is that she walked up and said she was a big fan. Mr. Williams, I love your music. And I said, well, if if, if it helps you get laid, I hope. you know. <laughs> and I was so despondent. Oh, it was a horrible thing to I say was, to a beautiful young woman. Yeah, and, miserable. No, miserable. I've said worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just, well, I was fried. I'd, well, I'd had worse said to me, too. But I... I just I think I had an image of Paul Williams in my head, yeah. which was, yeah. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? And all of a sudden it's like I hope this got you laid. <laughs> and, and all he wanted to do was go smoke with Bob, yeah. and, and so that yeah, was, we were we were it had a little chemistry experiment going on at that moment. We yeah, were, you know, load Montecito. Yeah, yeah. So, God. <laughs> but you know what we met then? I was 11 years sober late when we when we met again, and, and, and met everything again. changed. And, and then I was a nice guy, and I've just you know, and it's just a horrible way to meet somebody and. Yeah. And, uh, but it, you know, there was, I guess there was a reason for it because look what happened. We wound up doing the book together, Gratitude and Trust. Gratitude We're doing trust. the podcast. Oh, cool, man. And the, she brings in people like Buck Henry. Oh, yeah. And you bring you in know. people like 
Cheech. So, yeah, exactly. so Cheech, in, 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 in winding down here this morning, we'd like to ask people a little bit, what, are you, what is Cheech Marin grateful for? I know a lot, but what, what you, if you had to like put your finger on a couple of things, what, when you look back on this great life you've had. I just, opportunity. Yeah. And that's the difference. You get the opportunity to do something, and if you don't, you know, you don't. But I've been, been lucky enough to get opportunity to do it. And you and, deliver. And you deliver. Well, you know, you better. <laughs> because you've been standing in the crossroads raving your arms. Hey, me, me, me. And then dumb luck runs you over. But you've been trying to... <laughs> <laughs> dumb luck <laughs> dumb runs luck. you over. Yeah. See, I think that people, that's one of those things about success, that people who are successful, and they it's what they do understand intrinsically, and the others don't. They think, they think it's the cards or the chicks. It's really just the success allows you just to keep going yeah exactly. you know and it's really it's yeah. a very simple equation at oh. a certain point it just means success leads to another job another job and uh. you get to keep doing what you love and it's- that's what i tell all these guys george lopez when he was coming up i knew george lopez before he was a comedian he was like a fan you know he came and and he at some point he asked me well, what's you know he's trying to do get into movies and so well what's the, what's the secret says you get a job and then you get another job and then after that you get another job. That's the secret. <laughs> you just keep working. You just keep working. And if it's a little job, it's a little job. And then the next time around, it might be another. It's yeah. people, it's, it's true. I've, I've, I've got a son now. Great advice. Is, uh, well, stepson, but it's, I've raised him, uh, Natasha's son. And he's he's has a myriad of opportunities to do different jobs. And they change every day. One to be a PA on a movie. And one to be, now he's this Today, he wants to go to Antarctica to be a, a prep cook. Wow. I said, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfect. How yeah. long have you been gone? Four months? It's not longer. Um, <laughs> but but he, all the opportunity. Opportunity. And you do the, opposite. You do the opposite. He has, a, he has the same attitude as I do. He's never, you know, fried water before. And and I, I could do that. I can learn that real quick. Yeah. I, whatever I need to be doing, I made up a resume that I would... Tommy, the first time I met him, I was this great improv actor from L.A., and I cited all these improv companies that I worked with, and blah, blah, blah. All lies, right? All the fucking lies. Well, that was yeah. it. It was no improvs. <laughs> they were, when they were s- lies, they were improvs. I think it's so true, though. I've, everything I've done, I've never known how to do it. I've yeah. just, and, and people, will, and my father will say to me, like, how do you know how to do that? I go, I'll just figure it out. Yeah. Or I won't, but at least I'll try. That's well, what he has that. And you got to have yeah, yeah. The fact is, you raised your son with the opposite of what that teacher did to you. You know, oh, clearly, yeah. the, you know, the way you, what you brought to it was that you know and and you know i when with my my resume i told my son when he was acting i said he was doing uh midsummer night's dream i said you can't put it on your resume he said why not i said because it was on mine for years and i never did it so to balance the universe out <laughs> put measure for measure yeah, 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 <laughs> to take it off there even though you did it leave it off now we'll be we'll be but everybody I, I, I admired does exactly the same thing oh i can do that just yeah. do it. You, you know. Bet. You bet. You know, fuck a polar bear. Oh, yeah. I used to do that all the time, you know. So, yeah. but get him out of here. So, that's our advice from Gratitude and Trust today from Cheech Marin. Don't stop. Just go do it. Whether you know how or not, you'll learn. Yeah, exa- that's exactly Don't right. Don't be afraid. Don't Just, be afraid. That's the thing. Everyone's afraid. So, fa- so you fail. Yeah. Eh. And yeah. as soon as you learn. You might not. As Martha Stewart said, as soon as you learn. You pass it on. You teach. teach you teach. Mm-hmm. You have something more. One more thing to teach the world. So you give a little knowledge and yeah. it all comes back to you. We love you, Cheech. Oh, thank you, Cheech. Thank you You've very much for having me. What, what it's always a pleasure. God bless friend. everybody. You, you be good. You give a little love and it all comes back to you You know you're gonna be remembered for the things that you say and do 
You know you're gonna be remembered for 